innovative, often duplicated. When enough people get on the trend, I elevate it. Make it way harder for them to follow what I take. It hard to swallow like a lozenger lodged in your trachea. Goodness gracious, bruh, I can never make this up. So just take your stuff, rake it up, and take the bus. Never fake the funk, you painted skunks. You played enough, I'm lifting bars to outer space, so the wait is up. Fight. WHUPLP Hillsboro, North Carolina, the center of the known world. Welcome once again to the Cage Side Concussion Cast. My name is Jeff Shaw. And over the next hour, we are going to recap yesterday's Charlotte Open, the first time the International Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Federation has ever come to North Carolina. Hopefully we get another one of those soon. It was a really fun event. We're going to talk all about that. We're going to talk about an, a few exciting events in the martial arts world, a kickboxing event. We're going to talk about the next Toro Cup. I'm going to promote a couple of exciting related projects that are not necessarily martial arts related but are interesting nonetheless and are really important to me that I, I hope that you would support and uh, as always I want to hear from you so I'm going to let you know how to get a hold of us it's uh, cadesidewhup at gmail.com if you want to email us let me know anything that I left out or uh, suggest topics for future shows on Twitter and Instagram at cadesidewhup we're on Facebook at Cageside Radio, and soon soon oh so soon we will have a shiny new website where you can see all the videos we've ever done, all the uh, audio projects we've ever done, and a few surprises that I think are going to add a lot of value to the local martial arts community that I'm so happy to be a part of and to support with this show. So let's get right into it. Um, to begin, uh, we're going to start with the, the news segment, as we always do. Um, and a couple of things that we're going to talk about before we get into the meat of the show. The meat of the show is going to be a recap of, of the Charlotte Open, talking about you know, uh, talking about competitive success, yes, but also some interviews with some interesting members of the local jiu-jitsu community. Have some short interviews that I did on site uh, with folks during, while they were in the process of competing that hopefully you'll find interesting. We'll talk about results. Uh, we'll talk about uh, future happenings. Um, but I want to talk to you a little bit about how you can support the show, and not just the show, but the station that allows us to put on the show. Those of you who have been in studio guests, we've done just over 50 shows now, which blows me away. Um, we are into about a year of the Concussion Cast, and I've had so much fun talking to people, learning about martial arts, learning about people's personal stories, learning about how we've gotten here. And if you've been to the studio, or if you've seen pictures of the studio on our Instagram, if you've seen videos that we've posted here in the studio, you know that we have a really nice facility with really high quality equipment and audio, and that doesn't happen by accident. Uh, we broadcast on a radio station called WHUP out of Hillsborough, North Carolina. We say that at the beginning of every show. Some of you have been here, this this cool little uh, arty, funky community uh, that is the birthplace of Team Rock, one of the most important uh, martial arts teams in, the, in, in North Carolina martial arts history. And WHUP is an all-volunteer nonprofit that about a year ago launched with a really simple mission. They wanted to produce high-quality, locally produced programming that was not otherwise available on your radio dial anywhere. You may notice there really are no other shows like this. There's a bunch of great martial arts podcasts out there. You know, the Big Jiu-Jitsu podcast, it's to name one, the Great Northeast BJJ podcast, shows that are awesome and that I've, that I've been on. And, and those are true podcasts where they record and they, they put them up later. We, we record live, and we do so by have, because WHUP pr provides us facilities. And what makes WHUP special is that it's a community of radio folk, 
some of whom are professionals, some of whom are like me, who just wanted to do this for fun. So these folks, over the period of many years, raised a ton of money and put a ton of love, time, sweat, and, and just human capital into producing a community radio station that has all the trappings of a real radio station. And it's an all-volunteer thing with more than 300 creative folks from around the triangle that are making significant contributions of time and energy to help make this station a reality. And I'll give you a little bit of concussion gas history here. So one of, my, one of those volunteers was a person that I went to school with. And uh, I'm going to shout out Rebecca Radish here. And Rebecca and I were talking, and she said, you should do a show about jiu-jitsu. She didn't know anything about the other martial arts that, that, you know, that both Trevor Hayes and I have participated in. But she was just like, yeah, you talk about jiu-jitsu all the time. You should do a show about it. I said, nobody would listen to a jiu-jitsu show, dude. Nobody, nobody, nobody would. And she's like, yeah. and she said, yeah, you know, I think they would. And I said, oh, you know, there are all these other great jiu-jitsu podcasts out there. And she says, but you always talk about the, the martial arts community in North Carolina and in the Triangle and how strong and supportive they are. And I really think people would listen. And so as, as almost a joke, I put together a proposal for a show called The Cage Side Concussion Cast. It was a little bit of a goof on the fact that me and Trevor have about 20 concussions between us. Uh, don't try that at home, kids. I don't recommend it. And they said, yeah. They said, and they were enthusiastic. They said, yeah, we want to put you all on the air. Now think about a, a radio station anywhere else that would put a show called the Cage Side Concussion Cast on the air with a pajama wrestling old vegan and a, a, a face punching, uh, body kicking, uh, reptar tattoo having dude. And WHUP did that. And if you listen to any of the other shows, She and Her, which is an awesome show about women's issues hosted by millennials. If you listen to any of the music shows, um, the, then then you know that there are a bunch of really unique and funky shows here. And you probably, if you're hip to the radio gig, know where this is going. Now, I'm never comfortable. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm basically never going to ask for money for myself. You know, there are a bunch of charities that, that that I like and support, and you've heard me talk about some of those on the show, you know, Mission 22, the Women's Debate Institute, um, countless other nonprofit organizations, the Charity Water thing that Tom Asta, thanks Tom, turned me on to. There's a bunch of amazing things happening in this world that people are trying to make the world a better place, and I want to support all of those. Um, and, you know, you can't support all of them. You know, we're all, we're, I'm not Amnesty International, and, and you all have limits on your time. But WHUP is a pretty special thing. And I'm never going to beat you over the head with relentless appeals for support because I'm not comfortable doing that for anybody. But, they, but WHUP does rely on the listeners and friends and the 300 volunteer community to, um, to pay the bills and to help improve the services and to pay for things like the mic that I'm talking to, into you right now. And so, we, we all know the drill, so we'll get to the content in a second, but like, if you like the show, or if you like anything else on WHUP, and if you don't know that you like anything else on WHUP, I encourage you to go to WHUPFM.org and check out some of the other shows so that you can, um, so you can see if you do. But if you, if you like the show, you like anything at WHUP, you can go to our website and at WHUPFM.org and express that appreciation by clicking on the contribute link. I promise you that every little bit helps. We have a, the, the, this thing called the Begathon. This is only the second one. And so I have the honor, because it's going from Saturday to Saturday this week, I have the honor of being the first show to actually beg you for money. And so if you can picture, and uh, I'm not going to post anything to Instagram with me groveling on my knees or anything, probably, you know, unless you think that would make a difference, in which case, by all means. But, you know, I have the, I have the honor of being the first show to really kick off the Begathon. And so I just want to import to you, import to you guys that... Um, impart to you guys that this is an important thing for WHUP and the radio community in the Triangle. And so if you have the means and you have the inclination, go to WHUPFM.org and you can help support uh, not only our show, but a bunch of other great shows made by a bunch of other creative people. 
So that being said, let's get into the actual martial arts content. Well, okay, not quite yet. I have one other related WHEP thing that I want to that I want to talk about. It's actually related to another great cause. So, Benevolence Farm is a terrific organization that I've just become aware of and done a lot of research on. And this week, Thursday, October 13th, they're going to host their Second Chance Dine and Dance. It's the fourth annual thing that they've done to benefit Benevolence Farm. And I'll tell you about Benevolence Farm and what they do in a second. But the reason I bring this up on this show is that I'm going to be in tandem with Betsy O'Donovan, my amazing girlfriend and GM of the Daily Tar Heel, co-hosting that event. And we're going to be co-MCs. We're probably going to do some kind of George Burns and Gracie Allen stuff because we're both old. But it's going to be really fun. If you want to come out, to, it's at the Haw River Ballroom in, um, in Saxapaha. And if you've never been to the Haw River Ballroom, it's a pretty incredible event, uh, event place. You know, a lot of you have been to music shows there. So basically what Benevolence Farm does is it's a local organic farm that puts together, uh, that, that, that um, helps women transitioning out of prison. And, you know, so it provides opportunities for women who are transitioning back into the community to live and work on a farm where they grow food, where they nurture themselves and their others, and foster community, and create um, the potential for folks to turn their life around. And if you want to learn more about that organization, you can go to benevolencefarm.org. Or if you just want to have fun uh, at a cool event and watch me uh, make lame jokes uh, and eat a bunch of delicious food, then you can come out to the Hall River Ballroom, doors at 6.30 on Thursday, October 13th. That is this coming week. It's not just, you know, and I mention this because it's something that I'm doing and it's something I'm doing to help promote WHUP. And so oh, if you are in the area, uh, Sarah Shook, Kamar Thomas, and the Night Drivers are going to be providing live music, uh, a couple of really popular local acts. And this is kind of, and, and maybe this is the selling point for you, is that for 25 bucks, that's what a ticket costs, you can get uh, a silent, you can get access to the music, you can get access to a silent auction, get access to whatever vaudeville routine that me and Betsy put together, or or not or and you can also stay for the dinner which is top local chefs preparing amazing dishes that feature produce from benevolence farm itself and so you'll come out uh, if you're not doing anything thursday night come do that doors start are at 6 30 p.m the show starts at 6 45 i'll also post the flyer to my personal facebook and to the concussion cast facebook if you're able to make it on thursday october 13th i would love to see you and so that is the non-martial arts news of the week. Um, I'm very excited for that event. It's going to be it's going to be a ton of fun. So before we get into talking about the Charlotte Open, I have a couple of upcoming events that I want to tell you about. And the first is the Lightning Strikes Kickboxing event, which is going to be November 15th in the Triangle. Uh, I know a bunch of the local martial arts uh, gyms have folks competing there. We have a Triangle Jiu-Jitsu, the gym that I train at, has at least a couple of people fighting. Um, I remember one of these other shows before Trevor said was one of the shows of the year, and so I'm 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 pretty pumped to be there. I am a neophyte in terms of the face-punching, body-kicking stuff. I don't know super much about it, but I do know that I enjoy watching it, so I will be there. If you're there, uh, come, and, come and check it out. The following week is Toro Cup 5, and Toro Cup 4 was fantastic. Like, you know, and uh, again, I say this, you know, out of all, like, you know, in, in the interest of transparency and in the interest of accuracy. So I made the matches for the first 
three Toro Cups, you know, in conjunction with James Hogaboom Boomer, who who runs Cage Side of MMA and Toro BJJ. And I had a ton of fun doing that. It was also a ton of stress, but that's beside the point. Uh, John Bagels Telford made the matches for Toro Cup 4. And I really thought, all credit to John, that Toro Cup 4 were, saw the best matchups yet. And that John gets a ton of credit for that. I think the community gets a ton of credit for that because it shows how much the event has grown that we have all these folks that are upper belts that really, really want to compete now. And so I really enjoyed that card. And November 12th, they're doing another one. And this one, uh, half the money is going to go to Geese for GIs, uh, uh, a charity. You know, it's a tradition at Toro Cup to to get some of the money to charity. I mentioned before, you know, look, we all have a limited amount of money and time. But so I mentioned a lot of causes on the show that are wildly divergent. And this is a great cause, you know, uh, for, you know, to, and I, I donated ge- a bunch of geese to Geese for GIs. Brian Crandell is doing great work there, which reminds me of some geese I want to give him. Um, and so I will show up to that event, not for, for many reasons, which we'll get into in a second, but also to donate some geese. You can also, they provide geese for deployed military folks that want to train jiu-jitsu, um, which as, you know, anyone who trains jiu-jitsu knows, it's an incredible, you know, physical and mental challenge that is super healthy and therapeutic. And so if you can support that either by donating geese or by showing up to Toro Cup and supporting that with your dollars to continue that work, that's something that's going to be great. And I promise the event's going to be fun. Um, and so to get your appetite whetted, only two matches have been announced. and uh, But those two matches are both terrific. And let's talk about the purple belt match first and then the brown belt match. Um, the purple belt match is going to be between Andrew Bittner from Gracie Raleigh, uh, who some of you have seen compete at local U.S. grappling tournaments. Some of you have seen compete at Toro Cups in the past. We will hear from Andrew later in the show, who had a terrific match this weekend at Charlotte Open that I got the pleasure to watch. And, uh, you know, Bittner is... He, I, is going to go up against a really tough opponent, Josh Williams. Now, Josh has been on Toro Cup twice, uh, uh, fighting two incredibly tough guys. One, Laban Probst, who also won gold this weekend at the at the Charlotte Open. And most recently, Isaac Renner from Beta Academy. And if you've rolled with Isaac, you know what a beast that dude is. And Josh was able to submit Isaac with a heel hook. And so Josh is, you know, a physical specimen, super athletic, has tremendous jiu-jitsu, Bittner has tr- great technique, has has you know, and 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 so I'm very excited to see that match as a as a purple belt match. Um, Andrew ha- has a you know anyway, and we'll talk about Bittner more when I play a sound file from him later in the show. Second match, and I'm super stoked about this one because I had I, I had suggested a, a different matchup, but uh, but um, that's beside the point. But a brown belt match between, and I'm I'm, I'm super stoked because these are also two of the coolest guys in local jiu-jitsu. Uh, so Brad Acosta from TFTC Academy, who is a Toro Cup you know, veteran, he's competed on Toro Cup several times, um, competes a lot, you know, teaches out of TFTC. He's going to go up against Andrew Foster from Evolution on the coast in Wilmington. And Andrew is, you know, I, I love watching him compete. Um, and, you know, he doesn't compete as much as, as Brad does, which is why I'm so excited for this match. I talked to him. He was at Toro Cup 4, and he was like, man, I'd really love to get on one of these cards. And I was like, man, there are a lot of good brown belts now that would be a really fun and entertaining matchup. And I had suggested, actually, Andrew versus John Shell, which I still think would be an excellent matchup. Um, you know, maybe those guys will get to do a match at some point. But, but Andrew versus Brad is going to be just awesome. Um, and, you know, both of those guys go for the submission and don't stop. And, you know, win or lose, both of them always put their best foot forward, put, put, a, put out a tremendous effort, and they're just both good dudes. And so I think that you're going to see really incredible sportsmanship. I think you're going to see fast-paced action. 
And this is just two of the matches. And I know of some of the other things that we have cooking for Toro Cup. I say we, even though I don't have a role in it anymore. Um, but I can just glom on to take, take some sort of credit by proxy. It's really credit to, to Boomer and Bagels at this point. Um, but I'm very excited for some of the matches that are in progress of being made. And so if you, uh, so please come out. That's November 12th. Um, and if you're not already following the Toro BJJ Facebook page, you should follow the Toro BJJ Facebook page because those are the things, th- that's the place where most of the match announcements are going to start happening. So that's what's coming up. Um, as always, if I missed anything, please let me know. Uh, the address is cagesidewhup at gmail.com. You can also get at us on Twitter and Instagram at cagesidewhoop. Before we get into talking about the Charlotte Open, I want to preview a project that uh, that that I sort of alluded to earlier, which is you know, there are so many amazing events coming out, coming around these days, and I always miss something, you know, and I keep track pretty well. I mean, I, I and, and so, but I could do better, and we could all do better. And so I think something that would provide a lot of a big service to the community would have a unified martial arts event calendar. And here's what I envision. Like, over the next month or so, I'm going to start building a concussion cast web portal that's going to integrate a lot of the stuff that you that hopefully you like about the show you know some of our most popular instructional videos some of our most popular you know nutrition and lifestyle videos and i'm going to add an events calendar that integrates all the upcoming tournaments that integrates all the upcoming seminars that integrates all the upcoming kickboxing mma events so that a it's going to help the people that plan these events because i always get messages on facebook from people saying hey you know i'm thinking of plan bringing in x person on y date do you know of anything and then I look it up, and usually I get back to them, and I'm happy to do that. But but a, it's not efficient, and b, I'm not perfect, and so I don't keep track. Yeah, so I don't keep track of all this stuff as well as I should. And I figure if we have something like that, that where people can submit events, and it just kind of goes in one place where it lives, then I think that's something that would would help the local scene get to that next level. So watch for that. I'm not sure exactly when that's going to happen, but partly by virtue of me making excuses for not having that happen already and partly just to like have you guys out there hearing it so you can help me out with it and to hold me accountable if it doesn't happen uh in a timely fashion uh i would like to i would like to uh anyway that's why i said that and hopefully y'all are as excited about the potential of something like that as i am so uh we're gonna get into the charlotte open in just a second, and I have a lot to talk about, both in terms of lifestyle stuff, in terms of future event stuff, and in terms of results. So I will talk to you about that starting in about 15 to 20 seconds, depending on how much time it takes this bumper to play. Jiu-Jitsu is part of the solution. Jiu-Jitsu saves lives. It's the Cape Side Concussion Cast on whupfn.org. All right, so we're going to get into it. But first, if you think, Jeff, it sounds like you got something in your mouth. Yeah, you're right. So if you go to Twitter and Instagram, uh, or if you go to Instagram, our Instagram page, KateSideWHUP, you can see a picture of the things that I'm eating on this show. And uh, I don't cut a lot of weight for tournaments. I don't cut any weight at all. But you have to be careful, and you have to eat clean. And so one of the greatest things about a post-tournament about a post-tournament experience is you can suddenly eat all those things that you had to deny yourself. Like, I really try to prepare the best I can. I'll talk about that more uh, as the show goes on. But like, that means, you know, no alcohol, no really, you know, unclean foods. And so I wanted to have people come into the studio that competed um, 
where we would all just have breakfast together and we could do like a round table of like, all right, what are you eating? <laughs> what are you eating? What are you eating? And that didn't work out because a lot of people ended up staying over in Charlotte because of the flooded roads. We had, you know, Hurricane Matthew, this sort of the sort of aftermath of Hurricane Matthew here. Um, and so that wasn't able to work out. But I am currently consuming not one but two lattes with macadamia nut milk, which is this rich, smooth, amazing uh, vegan milk experience that Joe Van Gogh offers. And some awesome vegan brownies that Beverly made for me. So thank you, Beverly. These are they are almond tinged. They are awesome. I put them in the freezer so that they wouldn't get stale. And I'm uh, actually experimenting in dipping the brownies in the coffee, which is just kind of a magical experience. And so um, uh, if you are out there and you were uh, competing in the tournament and you too were like, you know, I want to eat for performance and I don't want to put terrible things into my body. Um, and you too are putting terrible things into your body this morning. I salute you. I salute you, and I tip my cup to you, my cup, which is filled with uh, delicious, delicious coffee. So let's get into the tournament. So the Charlotte Open was yesterday, and uh, it was a big, big event. And I think it was a you know, unfortunately, it wasn't as big as it could have been simply because I think the inclement weather kept a lot of people away. I know that, at least, you know, at least a couple of guys dropped out of my division. Um, there were some divisions that I knew had 16 people or so registered, and eight people wound up showing up. So that was a bit unfortunate. The spectator level was not also what I think it could ha have been, simply because there were flash flood warnings going off. But it was still a really, really fun experience. And it was great to see, like, sort of the people from all around North Carolina that don't always get the opportunity to train together. Uh, you know, because Charlotte's only two, two and a half hours away from the Triangle. And I don't think we train with those guys as much as we should, um, those guys and girls. And, uh, you know, and th so just to be able to get out there and and see folks... It's something that I think is really important for the community. And so hopefully the IBJF, IBJJF Charlotte Open becomes a regular thing. So obviously I was out there to compete, and we'll talk about how that went. But I was also out there to sort of to see some of the people that I don't get to see so much and to report on the results. And so in terms of the results, like one of my I want to first I want you to hear from one of my favorite people in local martial arts. And this is somebody that is a hero to a lot of folks. And I don't think I'm overselling that. So Betty Broadhurst is a purple belt. And Betty loves jiu-jitsu and trains super hard and is older than most of us and never makes excuses, always has a positive attitude. And I just want you to hear a little bit of my, you know, so I ran into Be to Betty in the bullpen while she was warming up and asked her to give me a minute or two. And this is what happened. So, Betty, do you get nervous in the bullpen before your matches? Not at all. I'm calm as it can be. I get really nervous probably the night before, but the day of, I'm ready for it. And you have one match, and like that, and are you going to stick around and do absolute after? Absolutely. I mean, it's too much fun not to get to mingle, be with everybody, all the uh, folks from North Carolina and everywhere around, and get to meet a lot of cool people and just uh, get together with some other folks in the IBJJF community. What master level are you now? I really would be master level six, but they only have a master level female one, so I had to drop down five age groups to compete. But that's okay. <laughs> that's that's warrior spirit right there, dropping down five age groups. And so, do you know anything about your opponent? Not a thing. Not a thing. I know I had to go up two weight classes to get a match, so she's a little heavier than me. Other than that, I'm I'm, I'm good. Well, that's jujitsu, right? You know, you you got to be prepared to fight at all weight classes. What's your game plan for the match? Do you have one, or you just go out there and see what happens? I'm just going to go out there and see what happens, have fun, play my best game, like I always try to do, and just enjoy. 
And that's what she did, more or less. And, and like, I, I wanted to play that because that sort of encapsulates who Betty is, right? And somebody that is not only a continually positive member of the scene and just a, a somebody that shows up at all the seminars, really does her best to portray jujitsu in a positive light, show it sort of, you know, what it means to her, but also somebody that is never going to chump out of, of challenging herself. And if you think about what she said during that sound clip, and just think about the numbers for a second. So Betty's Master 6, all right? And she had to go down to Master 1 to get a match. Now, for those of you that know the IBJJF Master's scale, it's about one, it's five years. And so she had to go down to get a match at this tournament. She went down giving up 25 years to an opponent. Goes, go, you know, gives, go, gets a match against somebody 25 years younger than me. Now, some of you listening to the show and some of the people that I'm going to talk about, if you gave up 25 years to an opponent, your opponent would not even be a twinkle in the parent's eye. Right. like that, That's crazy. You know, and and she was willing to do it. So she goes down five age groups. Right. It's like, I really want to match. Nobody signs up in her weight class. The closest woman to her is two weight classes up. So Betty says, you know what, I'm going to do it. And you just heard her just like, yeah, you know, if I, if I can get a match, I will I will competing at somebody 25 years younger. If the only person in that weight class and the weight classes go, you know, I'm not exactly sure what they are for, for, for you know, what, what they are for, for women. Don't know those as well as I should. For, for guys, it's about 10 to 12 pounds. And so it's like, all right, 25 years younger, maybe 20 pounds heavier. Sure, let's do this. And so, folks, this story has a happy ending. It absolutely has a happy ending. It might not be the happy ending you think, but it does have a happy ending. So I see Betty, and I'm in the bullpen roughly the same time because we're, we're both purple belts, and Betty comes over to me and says, I'm laughing because it's funny, but it's not funny. Betty's opponent missed weight by six-tenths of a pound. And so she didn't get a match in her weight class. And if you just think about that for a second, and like I'm not going to, you know, I'm not trying to call anybody out here. Like, I don't even know who the opponent was. But what, what a crushing disappointment that must have been, right? Where it's like, all right, I, I want to match so bad. I'm going to go down five age brackets. Going to go up two weight classes, which is again like maybe it could be twenty pounds, right? And your opponent misses weight by six tenths of a pound. This is really frustrating. I, I mean, you know, B- Betty was not frustrated. I would have been frustrated because you know, I, I asked her. I was like, will they let her compete anyway? Because it's like you know, you're already going up two weight classes. We're both here. We're both in our geese. Can can you just take us to the mat? And they wouldn't because the IBJJF rules say you get one chance. You get one chance to weigh in, and if you weigh in over, you get disqualified. And they won't let you switch weight divisions the way. And so I think what probably happened is maybe that there were there were women in the weight class above that, and it wouldn't have been fair to those women. And so so that's unfortunate. And so I tell you that for for two reasons. First of all, again to emphasize just sort of the gameness that Betty always brings to the table, and something that those of us that are younger uh, should only aspire to as we grow older. Um, but also to tell you the story that does have happy endings. So you know, so Betty wins up. Winning the default gold in her division, congratulations for that. Because like, hey, you know, you were the only person that that signed up and made weight, and and <laughs> you know, and 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 it was, it's easy to make weight when you're fighting up two weight classes. But but still, that's the achievement. And then Betty went on to compete in absolute, which is the happy ending to the story. So Betty did end up getting matches and ended up fighting her way to a bronze medal in the open weight class. And again, went down five age brackets to do it. So congratulations to Betty Broadhurst, one of the most continually positive, continually inspirational, continually amazing and awesome members of the local martial arts scene. To see her walk away from Charlotte with two medals 
was a really wonderful experience and I was grateful to get to talk to her and to get that time with her. And so, so yeah. Um, in terms of some of the best matches I saw, um, you know, by way of a preview, I'm just going to play... Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna play a sound clip and then I'm gonna talk about the match that proceeds that 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 was immediately after this sound clip. Uh, so I'm here with Andrew Bittner of Gracie Raleigh. Uh, Andrew, how many guys are in your division today? Uh, just one. And so you're gonna get on the podium, but do you have a game plan for the match? Um, not necessarily. I'm just gonna go in there, feel it out, have fun for the first one. Since there's only one other person, it's an automatic ticket to the absolute. So um, my competitor is Cole from uh, Chapel Hill Gracie Jiu Jitsu. So. So that'll be fun. Have you and Cole competed against each other before or just trained together? Uh, we trained before at uh, actually that Elevate open mat. Um, but other than that, no. So I'm curious to see what's happened in the last months with our game. So if you, you know, most of the people listening to this podcast probably know both Andrew Bittner and Cole Hopfenberg. If you don't, I'm going to tell you about them. Both of them are total beasts. And they're, they both, in terms of they both have really good jujitsu, good technical jujitsu, and also just have body types that give other people problems. It's that sort of big, long, particularly Cole, big and long ectomorphic body type. And and both of them have gas tanks and can just go. And so I knew that this match, you know, when I heard that they were the only two people in the division, I knew that match was going to be exciting uh, for the gold medal. And it, it really exceeded expectations. It lived up to and exceeded expectations. And, like, I was so pumped that I got to watch that. A ton of the Chapel Hill people showed up, too, and were watching and cheering, which really added to the, the atmosphere. I think to have, like, nine or ten folks just, like, screaming for Cole. So the match ends up, like, it's a back-and-forth battle. And a lot of what was happening is there would be each of them would sweep the other a few times and for, for points, for you know, so... Uh, I forget. I think I think Bittner pulled guard and swept Cole first. I could be wrong about that, but ultimately, what ends up happening is so Bittner ends up on top, and he will often go and fall back for an ankle lock, which is great if you get it. But if you don't get it, you know you can. Um, uh, uh, if you don't get it, you can. Um, th- then the other guy can often come up on top for and and get two points. And so Bittner had two what looked to be pretty deep or at least effectual ankle lock attacks on Cole, which he got two advantages for. Now, he paid for that because a couple times, you know, Cole did not, you know, Cole, obviously Cole did not tap or like not obviously because I haven't told you the result of the match yet, but Cole didn't tap to those. And Cole ended up using those to come on top a few times for, for points. And so what ends up happening is Cole sweeps with just about a minute or so left. And so for those of you that don't know the jiu-jitsu scoring system, obviously if you submit the guy, you win. Um, if there are points involved, whoever has more points wins. If the points are tied, then whoever has most advantages, which is like near submissions, near sweeps, stuff like that, then then that person wins. And so Cole sweeps, and Cole ends up going nine up nine points to seven with about with less than a minute to go. And everybody's cheering and screaming and you know Cole's friends are pumped and firing him up and Bittner's friends are pumped and firing him up and Bittner has like 30 seconds and if Bittner sweeps because he has those two advantages if Bittner sweeps he he wins basically and is able to stay on top and so Bittner just does a really sweet technical sweep in the last 30 seconds to tie the score nine to nine stays on top for the last 20 seconds or so and ends up winning by those two advantages for the ankle locks. And it was one of the most evenly matched, tightly contested, back and forth, 
awesome displays of jujitsu that I have seen in a long time, certainly at the purple belt level. And I just want to congratulate both of those guys for a really, really incredible match. Um, so, so and, you know, and and let me acknowledge also. So, congratulations to both you guys. You guys are awesome. Um, just really, really tremendous display of jujitsu, and also again, you know, really great sportsmanship on the part of both folks. Let me acknowledge too that like you know, this should go without saying, but I feel like sometimes the thing, things that should go without saying don't. So I will. There's no way that you can watch every match you want to watch at one of these, and, and uh, you know, especially if you're competing. But even if you're just kind of wandering around when they have ten mats going, it's just not possible. And so when I shout out people and give highlights a lot of that is going to be based on the people that i know or the people that are like oh i know these guys are good i know that'll be a great match or hey i had the opportunity to watch this which i was fortunate to because you know I, you know as purple belts i'm usually going at the same time as those guys and so i will miss things and so to rectify that first of all i just feel like i should acknowledge that so please don't feel left out if i ever miss something i'm just giving you my impressions from the stuff that i watched i mentioned that for for two other reasons the first is um, we've already posted to the Facebook, and I will post again in the comments on this show, a link to the complete results, so you can see all of the stuff that is just just the here is who won what, and and that way you know you know it's never a perfect system, but that's the best way to avoid leaving folks out. And second, I invite you either in the comments of that Facebook thread or you know just like I always give the contact info cagesidewhoop at gmail dot com, twitter dot com, uh, or on Twitter at cagesidewhoop. Um, so let me know like if you saw an amazing match, if you see somebody that would make a good interview, if you feel like, hey, Jeff, you really missed this particular local dude that did this particularly awesome thing, then then by all means, let me know that. Um, anyway, congratulations to Cole and Bittner, particularly, you know, Bittner really earned that gold medal. And I think that no, you know, I don't think anybody who saw that match could say otherwise. But like neither, you know, and as I sometimes say in matches like that, Bittner won the match. Nobody lost the match. So it's so a great match. You too couple other people that so a couple of other people that that I really want to shout out here and that are again you know it, it's so rewarding to see good work done by good people pay off and Amber and Eric Cable a married couple that train at my gym are just two of the best people in local martial arts and you know always training hard always positive always disciplined and committed and respectful and you know and it helps that you know that they're married you know that they can train together have that experience, and, the, and and so I know those guys set high goals. I know they train hard to achieve those goals. And without spoilers, I'm gonna let you hear from Eric Cable right now. How does it feel? Wonderful. This has been a goal for a long time, so mission accomplished. How, how, how many matches did you have? Two. Yeah, first one by points, second one triangle. Excellent. Very happy. Nope. I love guard, so I just want to play guard and see how it works out. Worked out well this time. That's awesome. So uh, you and your wife share two golds now, so you must be happy and proud as a couple. Yeah, last time it was two silvers, so uh, one step above. It's definitely been a goal for a long time, so we're pretty happy. Congratulations, Eric. Thanks, man. So as you heard from that sound clip, Amber and Eric both won gold in their divisions. This has been a goal they've both been striving for for a long time and it was so rewarding and and heartwarming to see eric break through to see him break through at the same time that amber took gold in a very very tough division which i'll talk about in just a second and you know i can't i can only imagine what that's like for them as a couple what a rewarding experience and i'll talk later in the show about the difference between process and outcome and the difference between you know doing the right thing and getting the right result we love it when those things happen. They don't always happen. And so to watch like two of the best people I know get the result that they wanted was fantastic. 
I also want to talk about Amber Habel's division. Now, Eric, as you heard, had two matches, one won by points, one won by triangle. Great job to him. Amber was in one of the toughest blue belt women's divisions that I've seen. You know, and, and it was, you know, it, it let it was just awesome to watch. And she ended up ended up having, I forget if she had three or four matches, but couple things like so there was a really tough woman from Gracie Humaicha in that division that whose name I'm, I'm spaced I'm spacing out on it at this point unfortunately but uh, that was who Amber went up against in this in the semifinal um, and in the final Amber ended up facing Chelsea Kurtzman from Chapel Hill Gracie Jiu-Jitsu now Chelsea a lot of you know Chelsea's a four-stripe blue belt trains really hard and really puts in the effort and has shown so much improvement over the last like year or two that it's it's really it's really stunning. And so, so you know, Chelsea had two really tough matches against opponents that I had seen before that, she, that didn't look like tough matches when Chelsea was doing them and was, was was participating in them, rather. And I was like, you know, before I saw those matches, I was like, oh, okay, this is going to be a real tough test. So Chelsea ends up winning by armbar, a very slick armbar in, in her first match, and ends up winning, I believe, on points in her second match against, you know, a very, very, very tough woman. And, you know, all of us that were there from, from their respective gyms were just were just incredibly impressed. And like, oh, you know, and everybody, and we knew that there was a good possibility that Amber and Chelsea would face in the final, would face each other in the final, which wound up happening. And one kind of funny thing that happened is because, you know, there's a bunch of people from the gym I train at, Triangle Jiu-Jitsu, where Amber, ha- Amber Habel also trains, and a bunch of people, as I mentioned, from Chapel Hill Gracie Jiu-Jitsu who were there to support um, their teammates. I'll talk about some of the other Chapel Hillians that competed as well. Um, and so we had all sort of agreed, like, okay, these women are friends. They're both tough. We're both Hoist Gracie schools. Let's just let's just silently observe. No cheering, no coaching. Just like watch, and they'll have a fun match, and and we won't. And I want to I want to communicate two things to you about that. First of all, this was a great match, and there is a video that I think I'm gonna I'm gonna post to the Concussion Cast page in the next couple of days of this match. What a terrific, terrific match between two really really excellent competitors. And second. Man, it's hard not to yell, <laughs> you know. And nobody did. Nobody did. There was like I was there. Jason Mask was there. Kim Rice was there watching Mar- from Chapel Hill. Like Mary Holmes, uh, Lourdes Cantu, Nancy Reyes. Like all these people were there, and we're all just like chilling. Megan Katsunas was there. Like you know, there were like nine Chapel Hill people there, and we're all just like watching. And uh, and so as it and you know, I knew that it, the jujitsu would be great, and it was great jujitsu. Uh, but you know, it was it was tougher. It was tougher than I thought. Not to cheer and not to coach. So, terrific match. Congratulations to both women. Amber Habel uh, for the gold, Chelsea Kurtzman for the silver. You know, really, and and again, I want to reiterate, that's a very, very tough division. I apologize for not remembering the the woman from Gracie who might his name, but uh, but boy, I was impressed with her as well. Um, And congratulations to Amber and Eric. Once again, gold is a couple. So, a couple of, like, let's stay in the women's division for just a second, because I want to, once again, point out, you know, I talk about my teammates, Kim Rice and Shayla, too, a lot. And one of the things about excellence is sometimes it can be it can be easy to gloss over. Like because as I was preparing the show, I was like, okay, well, Kim won gold in her weight and won gold in absolute, and you know, won these matches in pretty dominant fashion. And it's really easy to gloss that over and be like, well, you know, that's just what Kim does. And that's not false. That's that is what Kim does. There's a reason that she won the blue the blue belt world championship, qualified for ADCC, you know, wins all these accolades. But you know. I don't want that to be just kind of a footnote, right? Where it's like, okay, another dominant performance by Kim Rice, you know, even though she won't come on the show. I made a deal with her that she would, you know, if I, if she gave me one interview, then she would never have to come on the show again. And, and I'm going to stick by that. But, but like, 
but you know you don't want to just gloss that over like ho hum another double gold performance no i mean that's that's tough a lot of the people in the you know those people in those divisions train hard and kim deserves credit for that so props to kim i also want to shout out shayla too who to no one's surprise won gold in the blue belt division but you know and again you don't want to gloss over excellence because Shayla is such an excellent competitor. And like, you know, a lot of people that have excellent jujitsu do not have the excellent competition gene. And all the people I've mentioned so far kind of have the excellent competition gene. You know, Amber Hale definitely has that. Um, but, you know, so Shayla, like one of the reasons that I wanted to lift up Shayla's performance is I know she wasn't feeling 100 percent, which, you know, she'd never tell you. But like the, the you know, she just didn't feel right and yet still was able to grind out an outstanding performance uh winning her first couple matches by submission and winning her last match on points so congratulations to shayla for the gold i'm gonna like i want to talk about one other uh you know i want to talk about one other recurring theme on the show which is the corbet brothers which uh and and then i want to talk about team points so uh gavin corbet took silver in the adult blue belt division congratulations to gavin and deandre corbet won gold um and had a memorable and terrific finals match. And many of you who I'm, who I'm friends with, who I talk to, know how excited I was to watch DeAndre compete against Tony Casares. Um, because Tony's exceptional and has had success at the highest levels. And DeAndre, everybody knows how good DeAndre is. And they, and, and you know, before, there, I think there were four guys in that division, maybe maybe a few more. But, like, they were on the opposite side of the bracket. And so... I, I saw before the tournament, like, there's a chance these guys meet in finals. And if they do, man, do I want to see that match. And it was a great match. And, you know, and DeAndre win, ends up winning that by a 2-0 score and uh, maintained top position for the match, which I think was was instrumental to his success because D, D's top transitions are so good. It's just really difficult. And I talked to Tony after the match. Um, and, and And basically, Tony said, you know, my strategy was to slow him down you know, because he moves so well and he transitions so well that, like, I wanted to hold him in place and work. And I think Tony's strategy, by and large, was successful, you know, in, in terms of, like, it was a match where I don't think D did everything he wanted to do. But, you know, if, you know, once you get down two points to DeAndre, it's, it's difficult to get those points back. And I want to say, too, that, like, it is awesome to see Tony competing regularly again. I know he's had such a, he's had tough luck with some injuries and, and health issues over the last over the last year or two but you know man when tony is healthy dude look out um in the in the brown belt division uh he's he's an absolute beast incredibly technical and so it was a real pleasure to watch that match between you know two of the real two of the most skilled guys in the area i I'd, i figured that, that those guys would meet in finals and so it was rewarding to see that so a couple more performances that, that i'm going to shout out um and uh then get to some some exciting news as well as some final thoughts so it was really nice to watch Josh Murdoch compete. Uh, Josh ended up taking silver in the brown belt division. He won his first match by submission and lost his second match. I talked to him a little bit after that. There's some great pictures that, that uh, of Josh submitting his opponent with, with an armbar in the first round, and those are on the IBJJF's Facebook. If you want to check those out, I might repost those to the Concussion Cast page. You know, Josh had this is Josh's second IBJJF tournament, and in his first one, he didn't really have the results that he wanted, which is, is, I think, fairly common for your first IBJJF event. You know, it's like anything. The more that you do it, the better that you're going to get at it, especially if you're a Murdoch brother and you uh, and you don't accept less than excellence. But, like, you know, I ended up seeing Josh's... I didn't watch his, his second match, but I ended up seeing his first match, and, like, Josh looked like the beast that he is. And so it was really nice to see him 
improve upon his performance from the first year of IBJJF tournament, and I really think the future is going to be super bright for, for Josh Murdoch. Another local guy that I really love to watch and, and and train with, I wish I could train with more, and so I got to go to Charlotte more, it was John Piper. And, you know, Colbreth and a couple, Jason Colbreth, when he was on the show, a couple of people, when I asked them, one of my favorite questions is, is who are the best-kept secrets in local jiu-jitsu? Like, who's the guy that doesn't get as much props and accolades as that person deserves. And John Piper is is a name that, that comes up a lot because John, dude, John is so good. And as as a great school, you know, in Charlotte, and uh, he ended up taking gold in his division, his, in his black belt division. And, uh, you know, lo, uh, and clearly, you know, if, if you're going to take place, uh, take first place in any black belt division at an IBJJF tournament, like that's something. And, and you know, just being around John and watching him teach, you know his knowledge base and his abilities and so it was really wonderful to see him get that success a few more gold medalists and like i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna lump these two guys together a little bit but um you know even even though the divisions were different but like you know jujitsu is such a difficult thing on your body sometimes like i forget who said jujitsu is good for you but not for your joints uh but it's really true you know it's, it's uh and you know because it wears on you especially if you compete and especially if you train hard and so matt moretz has had a lot of, of physical problems, had a couple different surgeries, you know, and and is just getting back to on the competition grind. And he and John Bagels Telford drove out to Charlotte, or not to Charlotte, but to Chicago to compete. I know he didn't get the results he was looking for there, but was still like really, you know, like this is him getting back on the horse. And so Matt had a gold medal match and he won it. And it's, and, you know, it, again, you know, black and brown belt divisions at IBJJF tournaments, that's no joke. And so Matt took first place in brown belt. Um, it was great to see him back competing. Vernon Kirk also, six months out of his surgery, like he's, he's you know, just recovered, probably shouldn't even be competing again, uh, or not again, like so soon. Like, it's, you know, I'm sure the doctor was not super stoked to hear Vernon say, yeah, so you said six months recovery. Uh, it's been six months. Going to do an IBJJF tournament. Uh, but, but Vernon got gold. And so congratulations to Vernon Kirk winning his purple belt division. Um, you know, like I said, a lot of these, you know, I'm always going to pull out sort of the the things that I observe, the people that I know, uh, you know, forgive me if I if I miss some stuff. But just a couple of other local um, local folks that took gold that I want to talk about. And I'm just going to list these guys. So so John Shell uh, from Hubao Kari- Team Hubao Karaoke, by the way, congratulations to Team Hubao Karaoke for getting seventh, seventh place in the team points. We'll talk about the team points in a second. John Shell, Jay Yovanovich from Pendergrass Academy of Martial Arts, and Jimmy Bigelow from Chapel Hill Gracie Jiu-Jitsu all got gold medals as well. Uh, John and Jay in the brown belt division, Jimmy in the purple belt division. So congratulations to those guys. I also want to mention that John and Jay w- did the same open class, the, the brown belt division, and they got a silver for John and a bronze for Jay in that too. So gold, you know, so two medals for both John Shell and Jay Yovanovich. One, uh, you know, and a gold medal for Jimmy Bigelow. A lot of the purple belt open class stuff probably. Uh, is a little bit misleading because they left the Purple Belt Masters open class until 7.30 at night on the night, you know, during a hurricane and a lot of, and they were running about an hour and a half behind. I don't know when that division ended up getting started, but I know a ton of, ton of, ton of folks left early. And I know that, that Jimmy Bigelow didn't com- end up competing in the open class. I think he would have re- been a really strong contender in that, but like, you know, leaving at nine o'clock during a flash flood is probably not the optimal scenario. This is why I didn't wind up competing as well. Um, so let me, let me let me say a little bit about my match briefly, and then the team points. 
then I have a couple other things I want to get to before we get out of the show. So I had one match in my division. I ended up losing by ref's decision. Uh, I posted the match on my personal Facebook if you want to check it out. I had a lot of fun. My opponent was really tough. It was probably, you know, he's one of the best guys that I've competed against. And it was a really fun match that didn't go my way. And, you know, sometimes it's just not your day. And I want to use that to talk about a principle that I talk about in the fundamentals classes. And that is results-oriented thinking is a great way to be wrong. Um, what we need is process-oriented thinking. It's not just the best way to approach jujitsu, but the best way to approach your life. And it helps you deal with things in a more positive way. Those of you that know me and those of you that have read my blog understand that this is never an excuse for accepting a loss. You know, losing is awful. I, I felt terrible after the match. I, I you know, I, I feel, I feel kind of bad now. Um, and so the principle that I'm going to tell you about and I want to illustrate this by using, you know, because, you know, the people that, that I teach the, fundament, the fundamentals classes heard, have heard me rant about this. But I feel like it bears repeating and I feel like I can use my experience as sort of an object lesson for those of you guys that want to know if I'm trying to walk my talk, which I, which I always try to do. Um, so the only things we can control in our lives is the way we prepare and the way that we respond to adversity, like our attitude. You know, Dan Gable, I don't know if he was the first one to say it, but he was someone that said, you know, everybody, everybody has the will to win. I don't want to hear you talk about the will to win. I want, I want you to have the will to prepare to win. You know, once you're on the mat, of course you have the will to win. Of course you're going to fight your hardest. But not everybody is going to take pre preparation seriously. Because you know what? Competing is fun. You know, rolling is fun. Sparring is fun. You know, going up against another person in a mat, that, that's awesome. It's like any athletic pursuit where you play, you know, what do, what do basketball players want to do? They want to play the game. They don't always want to practice. And so what can we control? We cannot control who our opponent is. We cannot control if our opponent makes weight, which I'll talk about in a, in a minute. We can't control who shows up. What we can control is we want to make sure that we put the best possible version of ourselves on the mat at all times. That means paying close attention. That means training all the time. That means showing up to class. That means doing extra drilling. That means not ducking the tough people that want to spar with you. That means doing the little things that are not as much fun as the other stuff, right? You know, competition is a reward. You know, getting out there and competing is the fun stuff. I always tell people, man, the hard work is done. It's time to have fun. Five-minute rounds on an Airdyne bike are not fun. You know, Tabata sprints are not fun. Not having coffee or beer or, or vegan brownies for six weeks, that, that's not fun. But that is the price that you have to pay for a good process. And here's where we return to why results-oriented thinking is, the, is a great way to be wrong. Because I have no excuses. I put the best version of myself on the mat that I possibly could. You know, I trained right. I paid close attention to my body. I ate clean. I, you know, did extra cardio, all, the, all that stuff. And, and I still lost. And, you know, and that loss really stings. Um, but because it always sucks to lose, no matter what, no matter what level, local tournament, international tournament, whatever it, you know, anybody who competes does, you know, if you compete, you don't like to lose. And, and, you know, we can be honest about that. But what takes a little bit of the sting out of it and what makes me more satisfied than I would be otherwise is I know I took this seriously. I know I put the best version of myself out there on the mat that I possibly could have. I, you know, and, and what if I hadn't, right? What if I had skipped, 
you know, those extra training sessions? What if I hadn't gone to competition class? What if I was like, you know, it doesn't really matter. I'll have a couple of beers. You know, yeah, I'll be stressing on the weight, whatever. I know I'll be on. You know, I, I, I don't want to do that, and I don't want to pretend that I do that. I take this stuff seriously, and, I, and so I want to put the best version of myself on the mat as I possibly can. And there are a couple of reasons for that. One is obvious. I really want to win. I really want to win every match. And so I want to eat for performance. I want to train for performance. I want to do all the little things that help you succeed. But I also don't want to have excuses. And I don't want to let any doubt enter my mind that like, ugh, what if? And so let's say I got the same result as I did yesterday. But, you know, I had, I had messed up. I like, oh, man, I haven't been training right. That's why I lost. It's easier for that to either become an excuse, which is bad, and impairs your future performance in jiu-jitsu and in life. Or you feel even worse, right? Like losing is always awful. But if you're like, man, I did the wrong thing and I lost. It's so easy to get down on yourself. And that's just not positive. It's just not healthy. And it's just not productive. So there are two other points on this that I want to make about the f- about this. So my instructor, Seth Champ, always says, you know, you, you see a lot of guys that show up. And, you know, maybe they have one guy in their division or two guys, or maybe they just get that sort of default gold medal when their opponents don't show up. And my instructor told me something that has always stuck with me, which is like, look, you did what you're supposed to do. You showed up. You made the weight. You signed up to challenge yourself. It's not your fault that nobody else in your age or weight group did that. You know, you deserve the credit for doing that, for doing the things that you're supposed to do. And that's what I'm talking about in terms of a good process. Now, it's really wonderful when you see people that have a good process have success, where you see people like the Hables, right? We're like, hey, we're a couple that really loves jiu-jitsu. We really love to compete. We think about nutrition, take that seriously. It's wonderful when you see the good process lead to good results. But I think almost the worst thing that can happen is you implement a bad process and you get a good result. Because then that sends a message that, like, I can get away with this, right? Like, and sometimes you can, right? Like, you know, people like, I talked with, uh, with, um, Sophia Drysdale about guys like Gary Tonin or guys like um, like Landro Lowe who can eat terribly and still be elite elite guys. Those are outliers, folks. Um, if you do everything wrong and you get a good result at first, then that can corrupt your process and make you think, you know what, I don't have to eat right. You know, I don't have to show up. Why would I show up for that extra competition class? I won double gold in my tournament. And you know, for for people that are that are freakishly talented, hey, you know, you maybe you can get away with that. For most of us, that's not the case. So to, to wrap up, like a lot of you, you know, who've trained with me have heard me talk about this stuff. Don't think about results. Think about process. Think about whether you took the steps necessary to put the best version of yourself on the mat. And if you did and you lost, you should still be very, very proud of yourself because everybody wants to win. And everybody wants to win matches. And everybody wants to, to do well in sparring. Not everybody wants to show up at 6.30 in the morning. Not everybody wants to eat right. Not everybody wants to do cardio. Not everybody wants to listen and be open-minded and learn and train correctly. I would way rather have somebody that does not have a ton of talent but really desperately wants to improve, make the necessary changes to implement a good process in in their jiu-jitsu training and in their life because if you do that, the results will come. They might not come every time. Because you can't control what the other guy's doing. But you will win more than you lose in jiu-jitsu and in life if you pay more attention to process than results.
I firmly believe that. And I think I might blog about that too. So watch the blog in, in, in uh, upcoming weeks. So just to finish up talking about the Charlotte Open, um, I want to talk about a couple of the famous people because one of the great things about IBJJF tournaments is you get to, to watch some of the best in the world. And so Joao Miao came down to win gold, which he did, and had some terrific black belt matches. It's always wonderful. I mean, like, you know, I know those guys are polarizing in terms of like the people that enjoy watching their jiu-jitsu and don't, but like I happen to really respect those guys and love their jiu-jitsu, so it was wonderful to watch Joao Miao win. And something that I was really excited about is Dominica came down. Dominica, who, who is, I believe, right now the best the best female jiu-jitsu athlete in the world, currently competing. She won double gold at the Worlds this past year. And so it was it was really special for me to meet her and watch her to compete. We wanted to get her on the show this week. Um, and but unfortunately, she was coaching some of her uh, some of her teammates. And so but she did agree to to come on the show in a future show. So hopefully we will get an interview with Dominica up in the next couple of weeks. What I wanted to to talk about before we got out of the out of here was it's really so it's wonderful to even see these folks in our community and sort of being exposed to our scene as well as to watch them do their thing at the highest level. But Caitlin Huggins, a friend of the show, concussion cast sponsored fighter, beast in her own right, who has an awesome, who has a super fight coming up next weekend against Tubby Santana, who uh, wound up facing Dominica in the absolute. And Dominica ended up um, beating Caitlin by bow and arrow choke, which is no great surprise given Dominica is the best, like, you know, just hands down is the best female jujitsu athlete competing right now for my money. Uh, but and also is, is is much bigger than Caitlin. Not that Caitlin will use that as an excuse. I mean, she's just exceptional. But I also wanted to congratulate Caitlin because Caitlin got a bronze medal in the absolute, ends up qualifying for the worlds at black belt. You have to qualify for the worlds at black belt now, and got the experience of competing against the top female jujitsu athlete in the world right now, which is I think a threefold win for Caitlin Huggins. And I'm super excited to see what she achieves, not just next weekend in her super fight with Tubby Santana, but at the worlds this year. So those were my impressions of this weekend's Charlotte Open, and I appreciate you taking the hour out of your day to let me share them with you. So please, if you want, take some time out of your day to share your impressions with me. We're going to post this show to the Facebook page. That's at Cageside Radio. When we have the new website up, I'll let you know, and hopefully there'll be an ability for you to interact with the show from there. But you know how to get a hold of us. And so if, you, if I missed anything, if there are other particular performances you want to shout out, you can either do them in the Facebook comments thread or just email me at cagesidewhup at gmail.com, twitter.com slash cagesidewhoop, Instagram, cagesidewhoop, and on Facebook at Cageside Radio. So for future shows, we're gonna. I, I talked with uh, Vicente Jr., uh, fourth degree black belt under Ricardo de la Hiva, who is one of the best guys in the world, multiple-time world champion, good friend of mine, good friend of the show. Um, we're going to get him on in recent week, in upcoming weeks. We're also going to get Dominica on, which is um, I'm super excited about. And hopefully soon we're going to come to you live from a Toro Cup. If you want to have some fun next week, uh, we will post all the information about the events that I that I talked about Thursday, October 13th. I'll be emceeing the Second Chance Dine and Dance, benefiting Benevolence Farm, along with Betsy O'Donovan from the Daily Tar Heel, and kickboxing November 5th, Toro Cup November 12th. All things considered, just fun on all counts. So my thanks to everybody who took time to speak with me um, uh, about the show, Amber and Eric Cable, uh, Andrew Bittner, and especially Betty Broadhurst. Congratulations to all of you for your outstanding performances. And sincerely, if you competed at the Charlotte Open, you won, period. You're beating everybody who's on the couch. You're beating everybody who's not out there challenging themselves. And I'm really proud of everybody, especially the people that I train with, but really everyone, um, for getting out there on the mats. So thanks to the IBJJF for coming to our community. Hopefully, Lee, we will see you guys in the future, and hopefully I will see 
everyone back here next Sunday. My name is Jeff Shaw. This is the Cage Side Concussion Cast, and we're out.